Maddie and I are huge avocado fans, so we are super excited to announce that this episode of Well and Good is brought to you by the Avo Tree. So these guys deliver the tastiest and freshest possible avocados direct from the orchard right to your doorstep. They also provide the best tips and tricks for how to care for your fruit so you can get the best out of your avos. Plus, every avocado is literally hand-picked to order, which means they're helping to reduce unnecessary supermarket waste caused by all those disappointing bruised avos we don't end up using. So we get one of their boxes delivered every fortnight, and to be honest, I don't think we'll ever go back to buying supermarket avocados. Just good quality, fresh avos delivered straight to your door. Hey guys. Hey team. So today on the podcast, we have someone very exciting. Um, I fangirled quite quite substantially over this one, actually, didn't I? You did, for, for weeks. <laughs> you were excited for weeks. So we have Kelly Noonan-Gorias on the podcast. And um, if you have seen uh, the Heal documentary on Netflix, she was the producer and director of that. And I mean, I slid into her DMs asking if she wanted to be on the podcast and I just, I wasn't really expecting her to say yes, but she replied and said yes, which was very exciting. Very exciting indeed. And so today we chatted with Kelly about a few different uh, topics in the health realm, different modalities of healing. But I guess the underlying topic was really about the power of belief. Yeah, so we we talked a lot about, she she learned a lot um, about stress and the in, impact that stress has on our health um, through doing the documentary. So uh, she, she shared a lot about that. And it, God, we talk about quantum physics and stuff as well. <laughs> we got real deep on lots of different things. Uh, but just a reminder that uh, Kelly is not a medical professional and neither are we. So none of this is, is intended as medical advice. Um, but I hope you guys get something out of it because it was a great potty. So enjoy. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me. So can we start with maybe you talking a little bit about uh, your background and how um, the idea of Heal Documentary came about? Sure, absolutely. Um, Well, you know, one would assume, for those of you who don't know, that the film is about kind of our uh, innate ability to heal and you know, the power of the mind in that process, how our thoughts, beliefs, and emotions affect our health. Um, And one would assume if I was embarking on this exploration of, you know, our ability to heal that I either went through something uh, myself personally with a health challenge or lost somebody to a devastating illness. And neither is the case. It was just, I don't know why I was kind of called to do this myself, but I was called and I said yes. And I think it stems from just a lifetime of little things, um, little events that happened over my lifetime, but really just a deep curiosity of our potential. Um, and and as I started to learn more about spirituality and um, quantum physics and just really, really, you know, aligned with this idea that we're co-creators with life. And I started practicing things like meditation and, um, you know, gratitude work and and really just doing deep inner work. I, I saw the effects in my life. I was so empowered. Um, and ultimately, I just wanted to put all of my teachers in a film um, to empower others because it's so easy to fall into victimhood based on the circumstances of our lives. And um, I think that now I have adopted a new view that continues to prove true. And it's just, you know, what um, every, every challenge that comes our way, whether it's a, a disease or something in life, it's it's meant to, um, it's, it's for the greatest evolution of our soul. You know, it's part of the reason we're here. So it's just shifting your perspective. And, and I, I wanted to, I was called to do a film to uh, talk about that. And going into the documentary, did you kind of have an idea of um, how it would turn out or the messages that, that would come from it or or did it evolve over time? Like, did you learn a lot while doing it? I kind of had an idea because, you know, I was very familiar with all of the teachers that I put in the film, the experts, whether they were a doctor, a researcher, um, a scientist, a spiritual teacher, um, I had followed their work. So I was pretty familiar with the concepts and um, I knew how I kind of wanted to weave them together. And then, you know, I set out with the intention, the <laughs> kind of ambitious intention to follow 
people on their actual healing journey, which usually takes quite a bit of time, you know, <laughs> if it's anything serious and worth, worth exploring. Um, but I was like, well, I got to do this in a year and I'm just going to, you know, set my intention and I know the universe will conspire. And, um, and it, it was wild, like little things made that possible, you know? And so in documentary filmmaking, like you don't, really know what's going to happen. And that's part of the risk. And so what you intend to to start out doing um, often evolves into something completely different. Uh, but in this case, you know, we had found a woman, Elizabeth, who, you know, healed from stage four cancer. Spoiler alert. You know, <laughs> <laughs> watch the film. You don't know yeah. what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but she, you know, she the, her, she was working with a spiritual, spiritual psychologist, and and that that um, she filmed their sessions. So it was just it was one of those things where I set this intention, and then all of a sudden the universe hands to me, oh, we, this woman already did six months of filming for you. So we just <laughs> so just you know those little synchronicities and, and magical things that happen, um, and and that was the one thing you know a lot of documentaries that I saw kind of on similar. Uh, you know, topic or or things about healing. It, it's usually a person just sitting there talking about their past, and maybe you get some B roll from their life um, to fill it in. But I wanted to really differentiate our film by following people on an actual journey, which is always a risk because you don't know what's going to happen, and that's that's what happened. You know, some mm-hmm. people healed, some people didn't. Yeah, that's what I found really kind of fascinating about the film because there was Eva Lee, obviously, that, that had the, the skin condition, which we really want to get an update on her if, <laughs> if there is one. But um, that was quite cool because it seemed like a very real um, interpretation of her journey. Like it wasn't sugar-coated. It wasn't like, ah, oh, and now she's completely he- healed and she's on her way to a perfect recovery like it was a bit of a, mm. like it was a bit of a rocky journey for her, I guess I've, you could say. She's so amazing because when I met her, you know, it was, it was, I talk about it in the film, but it was truly random. Like I was, I was looking for a veteran to follow, you know, and heal PTSD because that's a pretty rampant um, problem in our, in our country and with mental health. And, um, and we just couldn't find that right person to follow. They weren't coming forward. So uh, she came over for a work thing and I noticed a, like a rash on her hand and I never, I would never pry usually. I just like, you know, and, and for some reason I just asked, you know, it just like came out of me and then she started telling me and I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm doing. Would you allow me to follow you as you kind of explore different, I'd love to help you and see if anyone I know or anything I've been exposed to can maybe, you know, help you. And she was like, sure. So she she had never explored any sort of alternative medicine and um, or holistic healing. And so she was really courageous to allow me to film that, you know, journey. And, you know, as you see in the film, like we captured some pretty vulnerable moments. And I think in the end, probably that process was really scary. Um, and she was exploring, but it was, you know, once you start to, crack that open that Pandora's box, like a lot comes to the surface. And, and she, you know, we talk about it in the film, she has a lot of childhood trauma, you know, and really deep seated pain that I don't think she's dealt with uh, up until that time that we filmed. And so to begin to look at that, um, you know, as it relates to her condition, it's a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. when you, we suppress or repress trauma because we literally can't, we think we cannot handle the pain at the time. Um, and we think we're going to die from that amount of pain. So we repress it in our body. And so to begin to to bring that to awareness and consciousness, it's just as painful as when it first happens. So that's tough. I mean, that's the toughest part of healing for a lot of people, the emotional part. So um, I think that, you know, she made leaps and bounds and then, you know, took like two steps forward, three steps back. One, two steps forward, one step back. So it's, her journey was not linear and um, she made some big changes in her life as a result of, of the film. Um, she quit her stressful job. She, you know, so she's still on her journey and she's amazing. I, I try not to check in too often because <laughs> so many people want to know what's going on and I just oh, kind I of want to allow her to have 
space, but every now and it's so crazy because people from all over the world just want to help her. And it's so beautiful. Like I get messages every day, like, I think Eva has this or check out this person or I had this. And <laughs> I think it's the same thing. So Aww, um, I, I kind of, yeah, I, I kind of sift through some of them. And if, and if they jump out at me, I, I forward them to her and, and she's, she's still open. So I think she's still healing. And I think it's just for her, it's just peeling back layers of that onion, you know? Because it's clearly so emotionally tied. And then you layer on years of steroid use um, because that's the only thing that can give her immediate relief from these open sores and, and outbreaks on her body. Um, and, you know, that causes a whole series of other breakdowns and imbalances in the body. So it's real complicated with her. But mm. she, I think she's... Uh, I think she's, you know, she's, she's open. She's opening, opening more and more every, every, as time passes on. Yeah. Oh, well, good on her. I hope it all kind of works out for her. Yeah. Um, you're just talking about the steroid usage and stuff. And I think that's like the hardest part about trying to figure out, you know, if, if people do have some, something wrong with them, some sort of ailment or some sort of skin condition, it's like the, first of all, to figure out what exactly is wrong with you and, you know, because we all want to know exactly what's wrong with us, but often we just can't figure that out. And then it's like, and then it goes into kind of like a trial and error sort of protocol where maybe you'll get some sort of um, cream or something like that that has immediate results. And it's that feedback loop, you know, like having a short feedback loop like that where you see results in like a couple of days that makes you want to keep going with that. Um, mm -hmm. But, and, and, and it's unfortunate that other healing processes like changing up your diet say or uh, practicing a you know form of meditation that might relieve your stress um those things you know they take a lot longer and that feedback loop is a lot longer and so it's i think it can be yeah it's really difficult to especially kind of, with modern humanity i feel like we just want like a quick fix with everything yeah. like if it doesn't work straight away it's not working i'm on to the next thing so yeah you, you know whereas but I, exactly. I think some some things are really a, a process, and especially with Eva, she has had such a, a complicated childhood full of so much trauma. It sounded like I would imagine that's not an easy overnight mm. fix. That's a yeah that's a long journey. Kelly, are there any any things that you've seen along the way that you can sort of offer as like advice or just learnings about that kind of like how to figure out what might be wrong with you and trying to yeah work out. Emotional that, trauma. Yeah, that feedback loop kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can say is that that's, that's the big thing. There's so many of these mystery illnesses now, and there's so, because there's so much just toxicity in our, in our world, in our air, and um, in our crops, and our soil, and our food. And, um, and that's kind of seeping in, causing all sorts of imbalances, plus stress and this information overload and inundation. Um, and this pressure to do more, you know, cause, cause we have so much at our fingertips, um, with technology. So, um, I think that there's so many mystery illnesses and I really feel like, cause not everybody has a, you know, lifeline to Anthony William medical media, even though, <laughs> even though everybody asks, yeah. um, <laughs> But, you know, and he's, he doesn't even see anybody anymore. He just puts all of his channeling into his books um, besides the handful of clients that he's seen for a long time. But, um, you know, answers, just knowing what's going on gives people like lightens their load of fear and stress and anxiety by 50%. Just having a path forward is so helpful. Um, so that's, that's the problem with a lot of these autoimmune and kind of nebulous conditions that, you know, if you go to a, a Lyme specialist, they call it Lyme. If you go to a lupus specialist, they call it lupus. Like there's just so much, you know, uncertainty and, and real conflicting information. So um, I think that your intuition and, and, and practicing really like, you know, it's what comes first, you know, once, if you, if you clean up your diet, you, you meditate um, you become more present, you know, you get your instrument into kind of more optimal functioning. Um, and then you set the intention to find out what's going on with you and you turn inside and you listen, the answers will come, whether it's, 
you know, someone mentioning a healer or you overhear a conversation or the right book comes. So ultimately, you know, and, and go talk, go to as many specialists as you can or you can afford um, and gather information, but you're, you're, we're a tuning fork. Like, so if we, if we clear out the distortion and the interruption that comes in the way of toxicity or, or, you know, stress, and we, you know, clean up our diet and, and meditate and, and work out and go in nature and allow, you know, our minds to have space, um, the intuition and the guidance will come. You know, you'll resonate with one doctor who says it's this and you won't resonate with the other doctor. You'll resonate, um, you know, your body will tell you what feels good or what it's craving, um, you know, whereas someone will, might tell you not to eat animal protein and your body is craving animal protein, whatever that may be. It's like your body tells you what it needs and that's the intelligence. And it's just learning that language and really clearing out the distortion so that you can hear, hear that guidance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. And I I think, yeah, good places to start are definitely cleaning up your diet and being more active and being outside. Also meditation is something that we've been doing for the last few years, which has definitely helped. It's definitely helped me personally with my just overall well-being, I think. Um, But it's also, it's not just those things that are the answer. It's like by beginning those journeys down those tracks of, um, I guess, you know, seeking a little bit of health through that, you, there are so many flow on effects that you just can't even, um, comp- like you can't plan for, you know, there's suddenly your eyes are open to different, um, opportunities that pop up, different people you might meet. Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Just the world kind of opens up once you start doing things, I find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, one so one thing you did uh, mention just before, and it sort of cropped up quite a bit in the film, is just the underlying notion that stress is kind of like underpins all ill health. It seems, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Is that yeah, something? About you go. The ninety, like you know, all the experts, regardless of their area of expertise, um, agree that you know stress sends people to the doctor ninety five percent of the time, and they touch on the three different types of stress. It's physical stress, chemical stress, and emotional stress. And the one that's really front and center right now and, and causing a lot of physical disease is um, actually emotional stress. So obviously chemical stress with toxicity in our food and everything. And that's that's a factor for sure. Diet is one of the foundational pillars of health. Um, but emotional stress, the anxiety and depression around the world, especially in young people, is like skyrocketing. Um, and you know, so stress is, and, and just like from a biological standpoint, they talk about how, you know, back in the day, we have this amazing nervous system where the autonomic nervous system, you're either in fight or flight or you're in rest and repair, sympathetic nervous system, repair, sympathetic nervous system. And when you're in sympathetic nervous system, it's this great survival mechanism for, um, you to mobilize resources from all the organ systems in your body to send the energy to your limbs, um, you know, and, and flood stress chemicals in your body so that you become superhuman and you could literally fight or flee for your life. Uh, so it's, it's really an amazing survival mechanism, but it's meant to be turned on for, you know, five, 10, 20, 30 minutes. So you can escape the bear or the saber toothed tiger or whatever. Um, or lift the car off the child, you know, uh, God forbid, <laughs> morbid, <laughs> terrible, <laughs> terrible image. Um, but you've heard of stories like that. Yeah, so, yeah. um, but the problem is we are so inundated with stress and we are, we have this, you know, go, go, go culture and this accomplishment and competition culture that, uh, we, or this like economic disparity. So people are literally in survival mode all the time because they don't know where their next paycheck is coming from or their, um, and so when your stress response is turned on chronically all the time, your body doesn't get to rest and repair. So your body is not cleaning up every day, um, the toxins, you know, and eliminating toxins and, and repairing tissues and stuff that, that it's designed to do regularly on a, on a daily basis. And, and when you shut that ability off, obviously your body starts to, you know, deteriorate and, and, systems and imbalances happen and, and, and things shut down. 
Well, I think during um, lockdown or quarantine, because here here in um, New Zealand we were in quarantine for four weeks, and that really taught me a lot as to how much just everyday stress you feel when you don't even really know that you're feeling it. Like I, I found that because um, our son Milo, he's uh, nine months old currently. And during lockdown, I was just 100% present with him all the time. And it was so nice. Like I would just sit and, and play with him for ages. And I wasn't thinking about like, oh, I should probably um, like do those emails or he's he's calm right now. Like this is a good opportunity to quickly like get some jobs done so I can do this, this, this and that. My mind was just a, a lot more centered than it usually is. And it just made me realize just how much um, little bits of stress we put on ourselves in a modern society because we're so obsessed with um, efficiency and getting as many things done as we possibly can and ticking things off list and yada, yada, yada. And I think it just made me realize how important it is to just be present and, and to enjoy those moments and play with him and only think and, and just think about playing with him in that moment. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that hopefully a lot of people have learned a similar lesson during this whole crazy quarantine time. Yeah, I think that this global pause allowed us to, you know, it just kind of like eliminated a bunch of distractions that we habitually distract ourselves with. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we had this time to be present, you know, it just eliminated errands that we ran, we weren't allowed to even run errands, you know, where were we to go? Um, and, and social, uh, events that we just get on a loop of just like saying yes to, you know? And so all of a sudden we find ourselves at home being present with our babies, which is mm-hmm. so cool. And, and just being more with our, sitting with ourselves rather than, cause when we're constantly going, 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 we don't have time to feel, you know? So all of a sudden we're, we have time to feel and people are like, Oh, you know, so yeah, stress. <laughs> well, what does that feel like? Uh, so, you know, the stress kind of came like very, you know, wow, or stress or grief or things that we haven't dealt with that we've swept under the rug. So mm. I think that hopefully we can maintain, you know, I think a lot of us are going to go back into that hyperspeed, but if we can just like slow down mm. a little bit and just maintain some of this uh, pause on a daily basis. It'd be, it's really beneficial for us and the planet. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think one thing I'm going to try and do a bit more of is, um, I'm going to start saying no a lot more because, mm. uh, uh, you know, every time you say no to something, it means you can say yes to something else. And I'd rather be saying yes to things that I actually want to do. Well, haven't you heard that saying, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Oh, I like that. It's oh. so good, right? Oh, I love not, yeah. that. If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that I'm starting to move in that direction now. If mm. it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to try and do that too. It's, That's it's so weird great. though, isn't it? Yeah. Because like we, you know, we invented emails and we've got cell phones and stuff all because I think people thought, oh, great. Like we'll be able to get more stuff done in a shorter amount of time. So we'll have more time to just chill out. But now it's just like, no, we've got more time to do more of these things <laughs> at a faster <laughs> speed and just like blitz our brains. You know, imagine like having to wait for like weeks to receive a letter from someone. Uh, you know, I can't even, it's hard to even fathom what that would be <laughs> like know. now, you know. Well, I was actually thinking quite a cool little business idea would be maybe to go back to pen pals. Oh, yes. you know, because remember pen pals back when you were a kid mm. and you'd have like a random person from like, I don't know, Germany or something and you'd write like a yeah. couple of letters. <laughs> I'd write one and then usually never reply because I couldn't be bothered. But mm. but I feel like now is the time when, when people kind of want something a bit more nostalgic. Should maybe. at least for sure do that um, with like kids and like first, second, you know, third grade when they're learning to write. It's oh, so cool so to have. Cool. Your son's name is Milo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Riley's my daughter, who's a year. You know, when they're in a, in a few years, when they start to write, it's like had to have a pen pal on the opposite side of the world and the, on the opposite hemisphere. They can write to each other. It'd be so great. Oh, are cool. we just are we setting this up right now? Are Milo and Riley <laughs> yeah, going to get married? 
<laughs> it's an arranged marriage. It's fine. Yeah. So They'll be fine with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they can deal with the trauma later on in life. <laughs> exactly. Right, we'll, okay. we'll know some good specialists I can see. <laughs> Speaking of specialists, actually, um, so you had some incredible people on, on your um, film that I loved. There was one man, Jeffrey Thompson, who describes mm. himself as a neuroacoustic wizard. And I just love that so much. But I need to know, like, where does the wizard term come from? Like, does does he call himself a wizard or? Yeah, um, it's so interesting because we allowed, we wrote to all the experts as we were editing the film and we're like, what do you want your, you know, title to say? And they all came back with these like funky, <laughs> weird things. And we're like, awesome. you know what? Let's just have fun. Let's just let them call themselves whatever they want to call themselves. Yeah. Um, so like one was like a divine conduit or something. The other was this neuroacoustic wizard, but he really, I mean, he looks like a wizard, but he, he is one of the most intelligent humans I've ever gotten the pleasure of speaking with. I asked him one question in the interview and he talked for one and a half hours. (laughs) Uh, And he ended on this like crazy quantum physics, uh, theorem like called Schrodinger's cat and like by the time he like stopped talking we were just like (laughs) it was just such a freaking amazing moment in my life um but yeah he's a genius you know he he learned how to find this exact frequency in a in a human's body um and it obviously each every person has their own uh unique frequency that will drop um, the body into the parasympathetic nervous system and, and rest and repair. So like immediately wipe out all stress and drop you into this kind of trance healing state. Uh, so, I mean, just like for someone to figure that out and be able to measure it with instruments is like so cool. And, and how is that not like a more widespread thing? How is that not mainstream? That's incredible. I know. And there's like side effect free. Like the side effects are only exponentially amazing. And that's unbelievable, um, isn't it? Yeah. So that kind of leads me to my next question is how was heal received? Because obviously like alternative um, healing measures can be pretty polarizing. So did you get any negative feedback or was it all pretty positive? It was all much more positive than I imagined. Um, I mean, I was really... I tried to be conscious and very kind of diplomatic about, you know, not uh, poking the pharmaceutical bear and, and really just saying, look, everything has its place. But, you know, pharmaceutical, like Western medicine is really great for acute situations. But what most people are dealing with um, are these chronic diseases um, that you're told you can't heal from and you need a pill for the rest of your life. I was shocked. I was shocked that we haven't been, I think, you know, I started reading a couple of negative comments on, on Amazon, you know, like, Oh, Deepak Chopra, he's a quack, another woo woo <laughs> movie, whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, you're never going to convince Who those people. Who dare say anyway. that about Deepak? We love Deepak. Yeah. yeah we have team <laughs> Deepak over there. Are you no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I don't even, you know, those people don't even, it's like, okay, we're just not, they're not my people and that's fine. Mm. Um, but just surprisingly, it's been, it's been really cool. And then, and it's been global, you know, I, I get messages internationally every, every day that like, people are like, I loved heal. I'm in Brazil. I loved heal. I'm in Poland. I'm in Czechoslovakia. You know, it's just so cool. Mongolia. We had someone tuning in from Mongolia to our panel last night. It was so cool. Like Mongolia. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so amazing. How cool. We Kiwis love a good Evo. We also love supporting New Zealand businesses. Fresh, locally sourced produce not only tastes good, but does good for the planet too. The team at the Avo Tree have perfected the supply of the humble avocado, delivering the best quality fruit from their Bay of Plenty orchards to your doors without middlemen or cold storage. Just perfect every time, tasty as avocados. The Avo Tree have been in the business of supplying delicious, reliable avocados along with the best advice in the biz for over five years. They work alongside friends, neighbours and local growers to supply Kiwis with the freshest avocados at side-of-the-road prices. Avos are super rich in healthy fats and essential nutrients. Perfect for your smoothies and your salads and we're loving them for baby food. There's plenty to read on Avo Nutrition, ripening tips and yummy recipes over on the Avo Tree website. 
Discover a whole new world of fresh at www.theavotree.co.nz where you can explore a range of box and fruit sizes and if you're ever obsessed like we are, pick up an avocado subscription and keep your fruit bowl stocked. Plus, the awesome folk at the Avo Tree have generously offered well and good listeners 15% off their first box. All you need to do is use the promo code WELLANDGOOD at checkout. That's all lowercase, one word, well and good. Yes! Yes! And you've got a heel book out now. Yes, yes. Cool, so can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So the um, Heal film came out in December of 2017, and we had um, the, the publishing company that published our DVD, which everyone was like, oh, don't even worry about DVDs. Nobody buys DVDs anymore. But we're like, I feel like there's still people that use DVDs. Hmm. So we had this publisher, and they they had done The Secret, you know, the movie The Secret. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So they had done that DVD, and then um, they noticed – they felt that this, that heel and the secret were on kind of similar trajectories as far as like releases go and, and the same, same audience, et cetera. And so they said, you know, Rhonda, after the film came out, we told Rhonda Byrne, the, the director of the film, to write the book, The Secret, because people are going to want follow up material and something to hold in their hand. And she wrote the book in like, six weeks or something crazy. Wow. Uh, so <laughs> No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. So, I mean, they basically were like, start writing the book. And I said, okay. Um, and they said, do you want us to publish it just with us? Or we, we have a partner with, uh, partnership with Simon and Schuster. We could do it through them. And I was like, oh gosh, that sounds like a lot of pressure. Um, and so, and I've just finished putting this film out there. I wanted to kind of enjoy it rather than dive back into another project. But um, I've always wanted to write, so it was a pretty cool, pretty cool opportunity that like now they're asking for a book and I knew I could put more into the book. So there's, there's twice as much content in the book because there's only so much you can put in the film. And we still, we had like 20 hours of, of interview footage and only an hour and a half or hour and 45 minute film. So, so much wisdom is like left on the cutting room floor that I wanted to put in the book. So that was cool. Um, then I got, I had like blocked out this section of time to finish the book. Uh, it did not happen in six weeks. It was more like six months plus. <laughs> um, I'm not Rhonda Byrne, apparently. Um, and, sh- but then I got pregnant and then I was like nauseous for three months. So that it just kept kind of getting delayed. So it was a really interesting process of like, you know, birthing a book and birthing a baby at, at the same time. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, you, you can relate. To I that. did exactly the same thing, Kelly. Okay, I, I wrote a book when pregnant, which is so hard. It's so hard to focus on, like it's for a long so period of time, hard. when you're vomiting and just all things <laughs> going on, and then trying to launch it with a newborn. You know, it's like the pregnancy brain is real. So I, it's like the, the process was. I've always wanted to write a book, but the process is pretty much a blur. And even releasing, I was like, you know, I have a six, like a five month old, or. Yeah, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, you just can't. <laughs> it's it was a surreal experience. So, yeah, but it's and, out there. I hope yeah. it's good. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows what I was writing at the time? But. <laughs> I'm um, I'm kind of excited to have a read of it actually because one thing I said to Maddie after we finished watching the film was like I want to I want more I want of the more. interviews. Yeah, I want more of the interviews with the experts. You know, like with you know the um they're like just, Deepak. I could listen so to talk for ages, and I wanted to know more about the lady who. She um, did a study on all of the those people that were like terminally ill cancer patients that mm-hmm. recovered through you know holistic means. I want to yeah. like, I want to know all about her findings. I find that fascinating. Oh, I, I mean, I refer to everybody to her book if they have cancer um, or a loved one with cancer because her research just nails it for me. And I don't think intuitively, um, I don't think that her work should apply just to cancer. She, she has to say that, it, you know, this is specifically to cancer because she's a scientific researcher and she's very, you know, has to stay in that lane. But um, if you look at the, she basically studied 1500 cases of people that were basically sent home to die. Their doctors said, look, we've given you the Western treatment or not. Um, and there's nothing else we can do for you. And these 1500 people all went home and they said, look, we're, we're either I'm going to defy my doctor and prove him wrong, her her wrong, or I'm going to just enjoy this last period of time I have on the planet and just like 
do things I love and be with my loved ones and, and et cetera. And so she studied, they, she found 75 different things that all these people did. And, you know, all these 1500 people that, that healed, they basically spontaneously healed after going home um, to get their affairs in order. And, but she, she found that they all did a version of these 10 things. It was nine in the movie. She's now recently added um, uh, working out or movement, some sort of exercise. So the interesting thing about those 10 things is only three of them are physical and the rest, the other seven are mental, emotional, and spiritual work. And I, to me, that like, it not only applies to cancer, but it applies to all chronic illness. And that's the ratio that we need to look at when we're healing. That's why it's so important to take a holistic approach, a holistic, taking into account your whole body, your whole person, mind, body, spirit. And, um, and only 30% of that equation is physical and the rest is mental, emotional, and spiritual. And if you can follow that recipe, and, um, I think that you can make some great strides in your journey. Yeah, that, that was just fascinating because I've always wondered, uh, if you have a terminal illness and, and say a doctor says to you, okay, well, I'm sorry to say, but you've got three months to live or six months to, to live. I, I feel like like obviously I can see why they say it because they don't want to give un- unnecessary hope. Um, but then at the same time, surely that's going to do something to, to your mind thinking, okay, well, I'm going to die in, in three months. So that's a pretty powerful message to, to send to your own mm-hmm. body. Yeah. Right. And, and I wonder if maybe we, we need to look at that approach because, maybe hope isn't such a bad thing because I feel like from, from the documentary, hope can, can do wonders. Totally. They, they call that the nocebo effect, you know, a positive, the positive um, expectation and, and effect on your body is the placebo effect, but this is the nocebo effect. When you buy into um, and you expect your, you know, death or worse to come in a, in a period of time, then you're focusing on that. You're focusing your attention on that and you're releasing chemistry in the body. You're literally manifesting that kind of outcome. Um, and it's real. I mean, it's, it's deadly if you don't, mm. if you're not aware of it. So, and there is, it's so frustrating. One of the things like um, this whole nocebo effect. And if, if doctors were just more aware of the power of their language you know, they're all well-intended, um, but a lot of them are overworked and they've got all this paperwork and they don't have a lot of time. So they just want to give the facts and they don't want to get too close to their patients because they've lost too many and they've got to put a shell up over their heart as well. So it's this like really hard system to operate in. Um, but it is, and they have, I, for some reason in medical school, they're taught, you know, that ethically it's it's unethical to give someone false hope. Well, I would argue, and everybody in the film would argue, that it's unethical to take away hope. Mm-hmm. So it's just like if we can teach doctors um, a new new way of, of communicating, uh, mm-hmm. because studies after studies after studies have shown that a doctor's enthusiasm and belief in a treatment is directly tied to the person's success. So if, if a patient feels that their doctor feels good about it um, and delivers it in an enthusiastic way, then they're like... 50 to 80% more likely to have success. If a doctor's like, well, you know, we're going to try this and I, you know, I don't know. And then we're going to try this and we'll see, you know, it's like usually two to five years and you know, that's, that's all we got. You know, mm. if there's, if there's that attitude, the, doc, the, the patient, you know, and we've, we've heard horror stories of people, you know, communicating in that way and it just devastates people. So yeah. I think that, you know, language and communication um, and this placebo and nocebo effect should be much studied much more and and taught to doctors because um, it could literally change lives and statistics, yeah. you know. Yeah, mm. definitely. Because I guess who's to say what false hope is? Because, yeah. I mean, there there are cases where people have recovered. So who's yeah. to say that that hope Spin is it, false? Exactly. Spin it to the, well, these are, you know, there's 2%, but why can't you be 2%, you know? Go mm-hmm. study the, what those people did, you know? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. The um, just going back to the the woman who did those um, did that research on those um, terminally ill people. What was her name, and what's the name of her book? Sure, it's Kelly Turner. Um, Kelly Turner, and then her original book is Radical Remission, and I think she just came out with a book called Radical Hope, oh, which wow. is the perfect segue after there we, we go. Just talked about. <laughs> 
Okay, cool. cool. And um, if people want to get your book, Heal, um, can they get it in New Zealand? Like, is there an um, international seller that we can get it online, Amazon maybe or something? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Okay, um, perfect. So I, I hope it's in New Zealand. I know it should be. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out and um, yeah. put it, it'll we'll go on the show it. notes. <laughs> We've got magical fairies that write show notes for us. Yes. Yeah. Very handy. Oh, love those fairies. Love I those know. Fairies. And, and then um, in terms of you personally, are there things that you do um, daily? Because I've seen on Instagram that, that you do quite a lot of writing. So can you um, talk to us uh, about your sort of daily rituals to maintain a healthy well-being? Yeah. Sure. Um, I like, you know, meditation and movement are like my staples. So what sort of meditation? I do. I learned transcendental meditation. Um, so, you know, I have my mantra, um, that I learned maybe 13 years ago. So I've been practicing that and, you know, the, they encourage you to practice twice a day, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. I, you know, I'm, I'm good. I, I can commit to one of those, you know? Yeah. Um, well, especially with a little one. It's certainly yes. a little bit <laughs> Yeah, we find it challenging. It's so hard. You hear him laughing or crying and you're like, oh, I want to be yeah. here. <laughs> um, so meditation is huge. And, and once you start practicing, it just, you know, and I also, it depends on kind of my mood. There's a lot of cool guided meditations out there that I love. And so if I'm feeling a little lazier, my mind's a little bit more restless than usual. I'll stick in a guided meditation. Um, and sometimes like if I wake up in the middle of the night, like I did last night and have anxiety for some reason, or I'm like replaying some, something I should have said or should have done the day before. Oh, God, uh, why do we do that? Why do we it's do such that? a waste of our energy. Sometimes things like capacity. seven years ago, something like, why did I say that in that situation? Yeah. And it's like, why am I even thinking about it? Mm. It's insane. Right. Yeah. How can I get, let it go? I'm like, surely nobody <laughs> else is thinking about this at 3 a.m. Um, but, you know, you stick in a guided meditation and it just, it kind of shuts off that that voice. So that's a good tool to have. Uh, movement, like I said, I'm, I'm an athlete, so mental health wise, I, you know, physical benefits, obviously from working out, I like to keep in shape, but, um, the mental health aspect of it, I I get rid of a lot of stress. Um, I get moments of inspiration when I'm working out, um, and just like, you know, detoxing through my sweat and, and movement and stuff. I think that's key for health, um, connecting with nature. So I'm at the beach right now. So every day I try to get in the ocean, um, walk on the beach, whatever, but I, you know, I talk about it a lot in the book, how healing nature is. And we've kind of lost that connection with our new industrialized tech technological world. Um, and although in New Zealand, I think it's a bit different. You guys are enveloped <laughs> in beauty. I cannot wait to visit. Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty amazing. I won't lie. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> so magical. Um, and then, like you said, writing. So I do a lot of, um, one of Kelly Turner's, you know, 10 essential things to healing is increasing positive emotions. And, um, you know, I find that gratitude, uh, is a real, it's just a good place to live. And it not only releases healing chemistry in your body, but it helps change your frequency and and uses your mind in a positive way for manifestation or just, um, you know, changing your frequency and what you're bringing into your life. So gratitude to me is like a real, real powerful secret, you know, tool. It's like my little Merlin wand. And um, so I write in a journal what I'm thankful for. And then I pepper in things that I desire or experiences that I desire um, as if I already had them. So I give thanks for things that I want to occur, things that I want uh, as if I already own them and feel those feelings and picture that. And it's just a fun exercise and it's a way to kind of play. It's like childlike play with your imagination, but also you're elevating your emotions and doing mm. yummy stuff to your body. So, And it brings positivity, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, mm. totally. You just feel good. You can't be stressed or anxious when you're feeling grateful about something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cool. And so what's kind of next on the cards for you? You've, you've done a film, you've done a book. Is there anything <laughs> that can follow up? From that? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a great question. A lot of, you know, we, we toyed with the idea of developing a heel TV series because there's so much to explore. There's so many amazing doctors, healers, scientists doing incredible things in healing. Um, and also I think, like you said, to your point, like uh, it's important for people to learn from 
inspiring stories of healing. Um, the more that you show people healed from this or that or the other thing and what they did, more people are inspired and say, oh, I can do that too. You know, So I think it's important to put those as many stories out there as we can. Um, however, I feel intuitively, and it's so funny that COVID hit because it like, you know, tried to slow me down, although I didn't slow down because I had to get in that conversation as well. Um, <laughs> but I feel now intuitively that I just want to take um, the next few months and really just turn within, read books, just decompress because I've just been outputting as you have um, with a baby and creating projects and stuff for the last four years. And I just, I, I want to refill the cup so I can get that next calling, you know? Mm. I, yeah, it's so important to do that if, every now and again, if you can, just to take a break and reset and recharge. Yeah. yeah. A lot of inspiration comes from doing nothing, I find, you know, mm. and like purposefully uh, making time to do nothing. So when I have all my interesting mm. thoughts and... Yeah, well, it's where your mind kind of wanders into creative territory, doesn't mm. it? And you start thinking, huh, that's a new thought. Yeah. Maybe there's something mm. to that. Um, totally. Kelly, one question about stress... I've been um, recently tracking my HRV, my heart rate variability, and um, I do you know much about that and sort of what that means in terms of, um, I guess, measuring you, like how stressed your body is and how much your parasympathetic nerve system is kind of working. And you're what um, what are you what what instrument are you using so to measure? I've been using a whoop strap. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I, I only know about it through you know Joe Dispenza and, and the Heart Math Institute, and um, you know I, I I actually looked into buying some some sort of gadget to to measure mine as well. Um, mm. So I don't I don't know much about it. I, I want to learn more because I know that has to do with you know brain and heart coherence, right? Mm. And uh, and the power of that, you know, and and you know changing your field. Uh, by getting yourself into that state is is really powerful. I'm really fascinated by by learning, and I talk about this a little in the book because Joe Dispenza told me about it after I had done the film, like a year later. Um, but just the discoveries and the science around what they're finding is that the field actually determines the organization of matter. So it's like the field has to be in a certain way for cancerous tumors to um, grow, to exist. So it's like you change the field, you change the matter, but the field is what determines what can exist or not. So that's why energy healing really does work. That's why group healing and intention works. Um, that's why getting your um, brain and heart in a state of coherence as much as possible really changes and expands your field. So I think that's fascinating and I encourage you to keep learning more about it, I guess. Yeah. Is that like, it's kind of, um, it seems like more and more, um, alternative ways of healing and, um, talk about, you know, fields and energies and things like that. Um, it seems like there's more and more science coming out to explain it all, which is then making it a lot more believable and, um, palatable for, yeah, lots. palatable for a lot of people to get behind. Do you find yes. that? Totally. Thank God. Yeah. Mm, finally. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's great. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of starting to become a little less woo woo. Yeah. It? Yeah. So like yeah. if you talk about, oh, I went and had like a Reiki session or, or I got chiropractic or this or that, people are more just like, oh, okay, cool. Rather than like, okay, you know, yeah. go hug a tree or whatever. It's yeah. sort of just becoming a yes. little bit more mainstream, which is really exciting. I think we're, we're heading in a, in, in a really great direction where we're starting to see health. Well, especially our next generation perhaps will maybe be a little bit more open to seeing health as a bit more of a rounded thing or an umbrella rather than just like a one-stop shop for for everything so mm. yeah it's like you said one of the challenges of 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 you know going the alternative route or doing things like acupuncture or chiropractic like it's hard to measure your progress it's hard to really know what's going on um and to because it's a financial commitment and you're like well I want to make sure that I have measurable 
progress before I continue to make this investment. Um, and that's why it's, you know, technology is not, you know, moving away from nature and into having technology and being able to um, measure your HRV and, and these things. Like hopefully we can measure and, and quantify uh, some of these like things like acupuncture, if we can actually start to see what's going on in the body and um, measure the the healing pro- progress or whatever, that's, that's going to, again, up the credibility um, and stick-to-itiveness for a lot of people. So hopefully mm. that's that's where we're going as people are developing technologies to, to demonstrate the power of these alternative healing methods. Yeah, I think that's definitely happening. And I think like the heart rate, heart rate variability is like a step in the right direction for that. I definitely noticed that my heart rate variability was a lot higher on days that I meditated. Um, Ooh. Yeah, which is cool. So a high, for those listening, a high measure measurement of heart rate variability is a, is a good thing. It means that you're a lot more relaxed, basically, mm. less stressed. Um yeah, and so and then I, you're I, available. You're available to intuition and and not everything like that. Synchronicities. Mm, you're much more present. You know. Yeah. Mm. Um, also, one question about this sort of stuff. Um, what's quantum physics, and how does that relate to? Because, like, when I think about, I, <laughs> yeah, hey, just, look, it, you in know, a nutshell, Kelly, yeah, can you yeah, just, just, <laughs> just um, write another book on that. Later. <laughs> and, um, well, because uh, when Was I it? think quantum physics, I'm like, cool. That's like space stuff, you know. That's Stephen Hawking's. Yeah. And um yeah. but how does it relate to health and or and healing? Oh man. Oh my gosh. I <laughs> definitely don't know that I'm equipped hey, to like, if you don't know, question. don't answer it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm gonna tell you, I don't know how to define it, but what my understanding is that we're all connected by a field, you know, and everything is energy um vibrating at different speeds, you know. And um, you know, there's there's this aspect of the wave and particle theory where they like, or the double slit experiment. I don't know if you guys know about that, but it's, it's talking about how there's so many experiments I've, I've studied about quantum physics that are just mind blowing. Like, um, where you have, uh, one of them is like the tickling where you, we talk about it. It's like quantum entanglement where you, uh, separate a particle, like, particle and then you divide it so it's two identical they were they were once connected these particles and now they're two and they send one like seven miles away and then or even into the other room where there's you know and they they do some sort of stimulation to the particle in this room um and then in the next room over they're measuring it um through whatever they're measuring it with and they see that 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 particle that was once connected to this particle but is in the opposite room uh, is responding to the stimulation in the exact same way as the particles. So like once you're connected, uh, you're always connected and which is wild. So that's on a sensitive, subtle level. Like, so Milo, you know, you tickle her toe. Milo might be feeling a little tickle in the other room. No, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but, and then there's the double slit experiment where, uh, and I could be butchering all this and scientists, if you're out there listening to me, don't laugh, but you know, they're basically saying the observer of an experiment actually affects the outcome of, oh, whoa. of, yes. So what someone is observing is actually affecting the, so it's just like this mind blowing. Oh yeah. That, amazing. that blows what your mind. Yeah. First, and to have, you know, to have, you know, science, um, <laughs> I guess explaining that is, um, is pretty amazing. Mm. I, and like, I kind of feel like the more that we know, the more, well, for me anyway, the more that I understand about this stuff, the more I'm like, um, how is it possible without some form of magic? Yeah. Like- yeah. <laughs> and they keep saying that we only know 1% of 1% of 1% of 1% mm. of like what's going on in the universe. And you think like, it's just, it's mind-blowing. And how great is it? Like, it's it just it happens and it does itself and we don't actually need to understand yeah. any of it. We can just go along with it all and And what enjoy a great it. time to, to be alive when people are studying this stuff and it's all available yeah. to us as knowledge. It's incredible. Because I've actually got our friend Deepak's uh, book, <laughs> um, Quantum Healing, and I, I bought it so long ago and it's taken me probably about three years to read it because it's like, it's a, it's a tough read. It's very yeah. hard. If, if you're not scientifically trained, it's pretty hard. But I keep sort of going back to it and going back to it and going back to it. And, and it's, am- it's amazing. And it's, 
same same kind of um, principles. It talks about the mind body connection and how it's essentially the same. Um, and it's an amazing book, but yeah, it's certainly one that takes time for me anyway. It takes time. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, my book's a little bit more, you know, you keep it by the nine stand, you pick it up, you get a little yeah. of inspiration. It's not gonna it's not gonna blow your, you know, yeah. mind with quantum, <laughs> you know, mechanics, but that's what I think I need though. Like I need something <laughs> that I can actually understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, if people are listening and they're like, hey, maybe they've got some sort of ailment, maybe they're just feeling a bit unsettled, they get a bit anxious, there's you know, something not quite right in their life. What sort of recommendation would you give to someone like that or like a place to start with on a, mm. on a bit of a health journey, a holistic health journey? I would say watch the film. <laughs> or, <laughs> a great first book. step. Because I, it's kind of like a tray offering us, you know, if it's a good reminder for people that have learned this or already thought that way in, you know, a little bit. And for someone that's brand new to it, it's like a one-on-one, like here's a tray of what's available and what's out there. And you know, find what resonates the moments in the film or the book that resonate with you and then dive deeper down that avenue. Um, so yeah, I mean, just to know that I just love, like if, if something feels unsettling, it's like looking at, you know, there's this whole concept of autoimmune and, and your body is breaking down, your immune system is fighting against itself. And um, and that's, it's kind of a detrimental nocebo way of looking at things. It's, and if we can just remember that our body is our biggest ally, our body is in constant communication. Our body is designed to heal. We have incredible power to heal. We're literally healing in every moment that we're not stressed. Um, and so symptoms, pain, um, sniffles, like all of these things are feedback that your body is trying to communicate with your mind, your higher self, your consciousness. Um, and so to listen to the body um, and, and you know, rather than rush to, of course, if the pain is debilitating, you can rush to a, you know, Western medicine and pain pill or whatever to get over the hump. Um, but rather than rush to silence the symptom, like heartburn, for instance, rather than take an antacid, um, start to generate awareness and go, wow, why this is not natural. This is an imbalance. Why am I getting heartburn? Then you start to see what you ate or you see, you know, what you took, uh, medication wise or whatever. So you start to just, it's, it starts with becoming aware and, and really knowing your body can heal so much as possible, but it's constantly giving you feedback. And rather than silencing that feedback through medication, which is what it does. It helps you relieve the symptom, which is the alarm belt alerting you to the imbalance. Um, use these symptoms and stressors and pains and stuff as, as conversation, as feedback, as clues to discovering, okay, what am I, how can I make a better choice? How can I make a more empowered choice? How can I make a more um, vital choice for my, for my health? What a beautiful way to finish. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, before we let you get, get back to your beautiful daughter, Riley, um, we just have one final question. And that question is, if you could have three foods and three foods only for the rest of your life, what would they be? Oh, pizza for sure. Oh, 100% with me on that I'm one. like, I mean, it's just, that's pizza. Um, I love fruit. So it'd be like, what would the fruit be? Um, I guess mango. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good choice. Yeah. I mean, I love all fruit, mango. And then what's my third? I mean, I love, I love cheese. <laughs> but I already said pizza. Um, <laughs> you can have cheese and pizza because maybe yeah. it's like a, like a gouda or something. That yeah, you like a brie put on a or pizza. goat cheese or brie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Avocado maybe. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, but oh, that's a good combo, though. Well, pizza's sort of all-encompassing, isn't it? Right? Yeah, it is. That's got a lot of. So we'll go. We'll it. go pizza, mango, guacamole. Perfect. Oh, yum! Guacamole. <laughs> that, we haven't had guacamole no, as an answer. No, I would. We oh, I love guacamole. <laughs> um, hey, so Kelly, how do people uh, get hold of? Well, not, not necessarily get hold of you, but how do they find you on social media um, and watch your film and yeah, oh, all that, that good stuff. 
Um, you can go to healdocumentary.com and, and find information about the book and the film and anything else we're doing. Um, and then I'm personally um, on Instagram a lot at, at Kelly Gores, G-O-R-E-S. Um, and then the Heal documentary is, is on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Heal Documentary. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Kelly. It was so nice to connect and chat about all things healing. It was great. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. You guys are awesome. Thanks for listening. Thank you indeed. This podcast is brought to you by Raw Collective. And for any updates on our podcast or any of the other podcasts under Raw, head to rawcollective.co or you can follow them on Instagram at raw underscore collective.co. But wait, before you go, please subscribe to our podcast and also rate it and review it. Leave a nice little message, leave a smiley face, maybe an emoji. (laughs) Or tell your friends. It's super easy. It takes two seconds and it would mean so much to us. Bye. Bye.